Hey everyone, welcome back to Basic Binges on the Nom Talk Network, where today we actually have an earlier show than usual uh, for these Mando shows. Typically we like having these shows on Fridays uh, to give folks some time to watch uh, the, uh, you know, the amazing John Favreau and Dave Filoni created series. Um, but unfortunately this week with WonderCon coming up and everything, um, we had to shift schedules a little bit. So that being said, thank you, as always, for spending your Thursday evening, uh, in this case, Thursday evening, what usually would be Friday evening, uh, with us. And uh, as always, um, we have a stacked show. We weren't able to do last week's episode um, for episode three, uh, but uh, we are going to do a double show today uh, where we cover both episodes. And um, yeah, I can't do that alone. That's way too big of a job. So I have two of the best people in the world and in the business. Uh, with me today talking about uh, this show. Uh, we'll start off with Julie. Hey, Julie, how are you? Hey, Mike. I'm doing pretty, pretty spiffy this evening. Wonderful. Um, I'm excited to talk about this week's episodes because I really like them. Um, <laughs> I am snacking on some more Mandalorian. Still working my way through that box. It was a really big <laughs> box from last time. <laughs> And I also, you know, I couldn't resist getting just one more uh, Mandalorian-themed treat. So I found these Grogu cake bites. So whoa, I've whoa. never tried these before. But... Oh, we got we to gotta, we gotta test what those are like right now. Like, are they oh, okay. good? All right. All right. Yeah, All right. let's well, show us. You got to show us. So, and then I just have some iced coffee in a Star Wars mug and taquitos for like some actual protein and sustenance you know <laughs> i i like all your food i i noticed that the mm. yeah i noticed that it was iced coffee because the lightsabers weren't ignited because i have that same mug right when you pour in the hot nice. water in it, yeah, the yeah, lightsabers would, ignite right yeah they would be uh, uh lit up with warm yeah. liquid yeah okay, you gotta right, tell I'm us how to try cook. this just for you right now oh yeah <laughs> for Thank everybody you. else who's watching who's curious it says they're like there's like bits of apple in them and like vanilla Ooh. cakes with vanilla frosting i don't know should be interesting so it looks like so little, good it looks all i know right yeah <laughs> i'm a sucker for anything cake so <laughs> verdict oh these are actually really good oh my god yeah <laughs> i think i'm gonna have to buy some of those those look yeah amazing. it's like that it's sort of so like an right apple now. pie if it were a cake like oh, ooh, yeah ooh. i i recommend definitely i like that all right i i love it i love that they're grogu colored it's like you're eating grogu you know and uh little bits I of know. grogu it tastes, <laughs> it tastes like cake and pie which is like awesome but no i'm kidding um no no i i gotta try some of those i haven't hear, i haven't heard of those so um i'll check them out at some point um but yeah always wonderful to have you on julie um mike lee always wonderful to have you on as well um how are you sir I am doing very well. Thank you very much for asking. Unfortunately, I don't have a snack. Um, I, I finished my ice cream cone that I had. Um, yeah, because you know, <laughs> full disclosure, that was well. my fault. That was because my fault. They will melt. So yeah, I, had to I, I kept my poor colleague waiting for way too long, and <laughs> the ice cream was melting. He didn't have time for the show, so I, I forced I mean, him to eat it. I'm sorry about that, pal. <laughs> it wasn't a photon fizzle, which I want to make right now. A, yeah. a, a light up uh, popsicle, but popsicle. We'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> I, I would love a light up popsicle. Um, yeah, I'm noshing on uh, something kind of close. It's uh, it's a little um, icy, and it's it's red, but it, there's like hints of Coke in there because I like mixing cherry and Coke because I'm like six um inside so yeah mm. but i mean it's not the same as a light up popsicle but uh maybe someday. you put one of those light up uh cubes yeah those, a glow those cube. rope light cubes and then you just yeah. put it in there and then that that'll be it that'll be my light up popsicle i would love that um yeah uh i i can't wait for them to start selling those at galaxy's edge that would be amazing just like the stick could be like you know, glow, and then you put the popsicle on top, you know, I mean, yeah. why not? You know, Disney pay me, I will make food and merchandise for you. <laughs> yes. mm. Mm. Speaking of being paid by Disney, we should get into the review. No, I'm kidding. Um, terrible segue, but um, yeah, no, I, I would love to start with episode three uh, mm -hmm. because we didn't get a chance to cover it last week, um, and I wanted to see what everyone thought 
I think there was a little bit of controversy throughout the internet because some people were like, it's a very slow episode. They they got distracted by the fact that it diverted away from the Bo-Katan Dinjarin storyline and focused a lot on Dr. Pershing. Um, but I think there are a lot of folks that actually really liked it, too. So it was a very mixed reaction, I think, overall. Um, I wanted to hear what you guys had to say about it. Mike, I think you you were one of the fans, right? You like, I think you liked yes. um, that third episode. Yes. For what it's worth, I like that we put the brakes on the Mandalorian um, so far because um, it was just going so fast paced. And like, yeah, they, these people, um, everyone was raising the bar. And then if you, the only way you can go up, I mean, everything that goes up has to go down eventually. So I was just like, all right, we got a nice, um, slower pace kind of episode uh, sets the stage for what's been going on on the other side that the characters we I don't want to say forgot about but the characters had that have been kind of benched for a little mm -hmm. bit because you know everything's been set up for uh, Din and Bo-Katan now we get to see what's been happening to uh, Eliza, um, Eliah Kane and uh, Dr. Pershing because now they're being rehabilitated and, um, you know, meeting with their robotation officers, I guess. And uh, yeah, so. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And and by the way, mad props to um, Katie O'Brien, who's having just a stellar year. Yes. Uh, after after Quantumania um, and, and now Star Wars. Uh, she's just making her way through the Disney bingo card. And we love you, Katie O'Brien. You're you're awesome. <laughs> I actually didn't know who Aliyah Kane was. Um, you know, I well, I mean, we saw her in several episodes, but we she, saw her she wasn't really episode, named, yeah. right? She no. didn't really have a character was, or a story. Yeah, she was comms say, officer. That was it, honestly. Yeah, comms that was officer. it. But now yeah. we get to know her a little bit. Now we, you know, we see a little bit about her that's very dark. I think there's a there's a pitch black nature to this character. Um, but that mm. I find very interesting that I mm. hope that they dive into, you know. Um, but even even Pershing, I Mike, Mike, you hit the nail of the head when you said, like, it's nice that we're getting a break from Din and Bo in a way, because we get to explore so much more of this galaxy and of Dr. Pershing. We get to go back to Coruscant and everything like that. So so really good points all around, um, honestly. Um, Julie, what about you? What did you think of episode three? Um, yeah, I liked it. Um I agree. Like, it's nice to get a break from the main character. I feel like every show has to do that at some point. You have to yeah. kind of divert and have a couple little side stories going on. Otherwise, you kind of lose the interest a little bit, you know? <laughs> not that the story that is happening currently is not amazing and fascinating, but like, <laughs> you know, you gotta you gotta have some break in it and you gotta have some... And then I, I'm assuming that this is a setup for a much larger overarching plot is what I got the feel for, like, I think we're going to run into them again with um, Mando and Grogu at some point. So that's why we're getting all this backstory. And it is interesting to see, like, I don't think I've ever seen this part of the Star Wars story. I mean, um, I mean, you know, like I said, I haven't watched any of the cartoons or whatever. So I don't know if that's, I'm sure, I don't know if that's out there, but like this rehabilitation process of like from coming from the empire to the new republic like i i've not seen that so that was really fascinating to me like i was like whoa like i didn't even know that was a thing like that they were trying to do you know it was like that's pretty cool so yeah and yeah i'm interested to see where Eliakin's kane's dark turn because i that kind of was like plot twist whoa like <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's a bit of a sadistic streak in her, you know, I mean, when you see her crank up the volume on, um, you know, the, I guess, what do they call it? The relaxing massager? I don't, I don't remember what they specifically call like it. That. Something yeah. like that. That the refreshing massager, um, you know, and he she, goes, she like, he, he uses it too. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. I used like, it. Come on, Mon Calamari guy, right? He's like, yeah, I like her. It's great. Oh, you know, and yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. trap. It's, it's a trap. <laughs> he said, Doctor Percy said it's a trap. Like he said the thing. I literally turned into Leo DiCaprio in that meme, you know, where where Pershing says, oh, no, it was a trap. I was like, oh, there you go. Yeah. Um. So so I love that they reference it in front of a Mon Calamari and the Mon Calamari guy is probably like, I hear I get that all the time, pal. I get that all the time. Um, <laughs> That's not me. Stop doing that. <laughs> I'm tired of it. That's funny. Um, I got to be honest. OK, Um. so I forgive me for this. I'm going to be the outlier here. 
I was one of the people that was not a fan of that episode, actually. Okay. <laughs> like, I, right. okay. So, so here's the thing. Um, I love Andor a lot. Andor is such a good show. And when you explore the philosophical sides of this war, um, and, and, you know, I mad props to them for taking this theme of, you know, hey, you know, this is happily ever after because the good guys won. Is it really, though? You know, is the New Republic any different from the Empire? Um, I love the idea of sowing those seeds and kind of exploring that. I also like the idea that we're getting, you know, uh, bits and pieces in between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens where the cloning program is probably inevitably going to lead into Snoke, you know, um, and the creation of Snoke as a clone. Mm. Um, so they're they're really using their Mando series to build plot holes in the Rise of Skywalker. But that being said, um, I, I love that idea that you're going to explore that. The problem with it, though, the problem that I had with it was Dr. Pershing himself. I did not, I was not compelled by his character. I just don't think he had a good justification um, for for really defying the New Republic. And, mm. I, and I didn't think that the New Republic was, you know, I mean, is it bad that they're using Imperial tech to actually torture people? Absolutely. That's really bad. But at the same time, you know, I mean, the rules against cloning, they were pretty clear to me. And I that was actually like that's probably a positive thing i mean to to go against that and to fight tooth and nail to do illegal activity because it just wasn't a strong enough motivation for me um to okay. to follow him across the episode and to have me sympathize with questioning the new republic you know that was mm -hmm. that was the issue um and i i really wanted them to kind of do that but sorry i i'm gonna stop there i want to know what you guys thought of that like of of uh, you know, um, did you guys feel the same way or were were you guys more sympathetic to Pershing, which is totally understandable, by the way? I, I was slightly um, more sympathetic towards him because, sure. you know, he I felt that, you know, the whole cloning organ thing could could be, you know, used well um, in certain circumstances. And what is that giving given that you have like a what is that a committee an oversight committee of sorts but uh you know that's getting way too complicated and political <laughs> yeah um, for the, even for the star wars thing but yeah i i felt like you know he had a good reason to to um to do this to to go on this kind of quest to find the what did they call it what did they call those cubes that he was looking for i can't remember <laughs> but he was looking for the he was looking for the a certain item, a certain MacGuffin, I guess, that he needed, and then um, we all know what happened after that. But yeah, so I, I felt like they, he had a just cause to do it. He just didn't follow the right people, I guess. That's how I was mm. going to say it. Lie Kane, definitely not the right person. <laughs> I mean, the right the right person, I suppose, for the New Republic, um, and she's definitely a. If she is truly loyal to the New Republic, then that's a symbol of the extreme, you know, yeah. kind of terror that she represents the the bad side of the New Republic, I would imagine. So, um, but but yeah, I fair, fair enough. Uh, Julie, what about you? What did you think? What, did you sympathize with Pershing? You know, I did, but I also understand the side of it that uh, out, is outlined cloning too, because I, but... <sighs> I'm not, I'm just kind of like, I feel like, can we find like a middle ground? Because here's the thing, like, yes, organ cloning could save lives. Literally, I liked his story about how his mother, like if, if, um, like how if cloning had been, organ cloning had been around during that time, like she, what was it, her heart or her lungs or I forget, her liver, I don't, I don't remember. Something like that, yeah. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm zooming on my phone it's and okay. sometimes you get you're flipping like you're flipping like Grogu. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Um, so anyway, but um, so yeah, so whatever would have saved her life. I was like, yeah, I think that could save lots of life. Specifically organ cloning though. Like, and that's the problem that I think the New Republic has is that it's a slippery slope. Because you start yeah. organ cloning, then it leads to people cloning and like yeah. it's a whole thing. And and that is like a, it's like an ethics boundary right like but yeah. I do sympathize with him like I do 
feel like, you know, like kids save lives, but also like in, in the wrong hands, it could be really, really bad. And I think that's what the new Republic is trying to prevent against. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of like torn on the <laughs> issue, I guess. Yeah, I I think that those are great points. And it's it's a very complex issue. <clears throat> You're right. And and obviously this isn't a political show. We're not going to get into it or anything like that. But <laughs> if you if you guys think about things like stem cell research, right? There's a large group of people out there that are against mm. the idea of stem cell research and everything like that. But then, you know, look at all the good that stem cell research has done and could do right. and could help mm. with. It's mm-hmm. absolutely a very similar topic, but in the Star Wars universe. But the problem is stem cell research has never been used to create an army that wiped out the Jedi. So I'm like, right. when, when, when you've gone through that with the New Republic, obviously I understand why the New Republic would completely outlaw something like that because the dangers of it, you know, if you're cloning something or people or, or armies behind the scenes and nobody has any sort of awareness of that, then you can literally use those armies um, to overthrow everything. And yeah. who knows? I mean, like, we don't know where this is going to go. Well, actually, we do know where this is going to go. Cloning is going to persist. Someone's going to try and clone Palpatine, and that's going to lead to Snoke, which leads to the First Order. So I'm going to revert my stance from a mixed sort of bag to, no, cloning sucks. In this <laughs> <laughs> like, they, um, they, they know what they're talking about. Like, there's a reason they're not yeah. <laughs> Like... Snoke's going to be created and the new Republican people are going to be like, God damn it. I thought we freaking ended this, you know. Um, right. but, yeah. um, well, that being said, though, uh, the one part about uh, Pershing that I did sympathize with, I think we, you know, whether it's in our jobs or in our daily lives, this idea that we're being told to do something, you know, and, and it's almost mind numbing in nature, whether it's work or something like that. And you question the value of that work and you 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 yourself have like, you know, potentially what you consider to be better ideas than what people are asking you to do. Mm. But you're still forced to abide by what those people are telling you to do, the structure that those people have in place and carry out those ideas. Sorry, I'm projecting work life into podcast <laughs> life. But that being said, I, I get that. And I kind of I, I kind of sympathize with that. So I definitely understand that. What do you guys think about that? Did you think that that portion of him, like really being given these orders and then feeling that need to defy them and not defying them is absolutely soul crushing to him. Did you guys feel like that part was pretty sympathetic as well? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, because, yeah, like, when you're, like, this, well, you know, brilliant scientist, brilliant doctor, brilliant whatever, like, whatever field, and you're, like, one of the best in your field, and mm-hmm. you have all this years of research and years of techniques and stuff that you want to be using, and then you're forced to do something that is completely different and completely not using your skills. Yeah, that would be a little hard, I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, he's just, a, I guess, a victim of his circumstance because, like, he was wanted to, he believed that working by working with the Empire, he could have done something better because, mm-hmm. I guess, at the time, the Empire gave him all the tools he needed and he didn't know any better or he should have known it better. But um, after he's been rehabilitated, he's been reduced to basically a base kind of employee drone basically he doesn't know yeah. you know he doesn't know any better i'm not doesn't know any better but he's just a shell of his former self like you know yeah mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. that's what i want to say where do you guys fall on Elia kane i mean do we like her at the end of this episode do we absolutely hate her at the end of this episode oh, what do you guys like think this you like her <laughs> I, I like this i i like this whole dark twist and yeah unfortunately we don't have any more you know characters that she can you know screw around with anymore because <laughs> uh but yeah i i like this kind of twist that she you know she's a, a kind of this unassuming she leads you down this like kind of she makes you uh drop your guard sort of and then you yeah. believe in her and everything like that yeah. so i really enjoyed that uh she just said you come with me you know don't worry about it you'll be safe uh, we get to see a little bit more physicality to her role as well because she's jumping off trains now, so which makes me think there is some training um, 
there there's a lot more training to her than we uh, let on that uh, mm -hmm. um, that we are led to believe because she says she has some training. So I don't think she's just a comm officer. She she has something else under her sleeve as well. Yeah. Um, Julie, what about you? What do you think? Uh, like. She, I mean, like you're saying, great acting because she really knows how to like make you fall into that. Like she, she's very charismatic. Like, <laughs> but a lot of a lot of villains or whatever are very charismatic, and that's how they create their following, you know. And so she's like a perfect example of that. Like, um, because but yeah, I don't know if I like her. Or, I mean, as a character, yes, but like. Uh, I don't know like just just like I mean villains are fun to watch but yes. the end of that when she turned up I mean I knew it was gonna happen I knew it was coming but like it still made my stomach churn when she did that I was like oh no like I really wanted you to be on the good guy team <laughs> like but and I'm curious what you guys think I mean to what point in purpose do you think so my yeah. theory is like she actually is still working for Moff Gideon, but she's a double agent of sorts. And she's pretending to work for the New Republic to torture Pershing into going back to working against the New Republic, you know, and by having him turn against the New Republic completely, you know, um, because they, they mistreated him and they tortured him and all that stuff. Like, um, he'd, he'd be more willing to spearhead and, you know, accelerate any sort of cloning programs that, you know, uh, were teased in that second season. That's That was my theory, but maybe she's also just a New Republic person that likes torturing former Imperials, you know? I mean, who knows? I, that, that's, you know, we don't know her story. Like, she could have had family that was killed or murdered or you know, a lover that was killed or murdered by Imperials and she just wants to every single one of them to suffer. I mean, we don't know. But wanted to know what you guys thought and what theories you guys might have as to what role she's going to play in the grander scheme of things. I honestly no. like your uh, theory on she's a double agent, honestly. Mm -hmm. And she said she believes in the gospel of Moff Gideon. And now that Moff Gideon's escaped, or so we think, um, she could be feeding him information Um it is overly elaborate. You know, she has to be there and, you know, at the same time that he's there. But, you know, that's how movies work anyway. <laughs> right? That's how these kind of shows work. It's perfect coincidental timing. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it, it's just it's just fascinating how um, we get to see this uh, evolution of this character that has had didn't have too many lines in the in the second season. But now we get mm -hmm. to see her again, like more physical roles, more. Um, more more dialogue and we get to see a little bit more layers to her character uh, yeah so hmm. absolutely julie what about you yeah um i i don't know like where it's going like i'm i was that was my big thing that i was trying to figure out is like what are her motives like 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 what you know and but you know I thought I did have too was um I mean if she turns up the thing all the way doesn't that sort of like erase a lot of his memories or something oh so like yeah. maybe there's some information because mm. well that because he was comparing it to the mind flare which I think just wipes your your mind completely um so uh, maybe there's some information that he has that she's trying to not let get out or something mm, like that too yeah because that was yeah. about that was a thought too like very true because i mean he's gonna be kind of useless if he doesn't have any of his memories so there must be a good reason for her to need that gone or something you know what i mean i don't know i mean it's very possible and and now that you say it uh the double agent thing is you know the wheels are turning in my head about that because rather than you know my my convoluted theory about her turning him back to the dark side it's more like now she's working for Moff Gideon to ensure that all loose ends are tied up and untraceable back mm, to mm -hmm. him by eliminating. Yeah, that definitely could be too. Yeah. Um, really quickly, I wanted to give a shout out to Q-Ball, who's on the, uh, the, the talk. And Boba Fett as well. Hey, guys, thank you for watching. Hello. Uh, Q-Ball redeemed Hydrate. So everyone, um, cheers. I luckily I have this. <laughs> cheers. Cheers. And then um, he also redeemed 
suggest a poll. Who was the most evil from Star Wars from the Star Wars franchise? Um, I think you meant Palpatine. Um, I think you wrote Constantine. Probably an autocorrect mistake, but Palpatine, Darth Maul, Vader, or Ren, Kylo Ren. Um, I anyone anyone want to contribute? I I'm going to say Palpatine personally, but yeah, want to see what everyone else thinks. Mm, yeah, I'll say Palpatine. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. I'm going to say him too because he was the creator of all of the chaos essentially. Mm-hmm. Like not of a lot of things would have happened without him. Like everybody immediately wants to go to Vader and don't get me wrong, he's got some dark shit going on, but like Palpatine is the reason that Vader exists and a yes. lot of these yeah. bad guys exist. So Yeah. I mean, yeah, you got to credit where credits due it's he's a super genius jesus christ you know i mean to elaborately plot a how long was this about a 10 year 20 year you know uh evil plan yeah and then completely wipe out all the jedi as part of that plan which he succeeds in right i only can Can imagine his dream board (laughs) (laughs) i was also just gonna say he is also one of the few characters well, I mean, Darth Maul, like, it doesn't really get a lot of screen time, so I don't feel like you really get a back, but backstory from him. But, like, mm. for the most part, you see remorse in a lot of those other characters. Yeah. Palpatine, you ne- never see, like, he doesn't regret anything that you can never, I mean, not that, not that I've ever seen anyway. Um, You know, like, Darth Vader has moments of remorse. Kylo Ren has moments of remorse. Like I said, Darth Maul, I don't think, because you don't really get to see much of him. Um, he's probably regretting it when he gets sliced sliced by a, <laughs> by a Qui Gon, but um, yeah. but yeah, no, yeah. like he's yeah. also that's another like sign of like sure evil. If you're not showing any remorse at all for anything, you're just it's like yeah, mm, yeah. it's so. it's unlimited power. You know, I mean that's, <laughs> that's, that's him. You know, I mean that's how evil can you get? Um. For for so just as an FYI, Julie, I recommend watching some of the Darth Maul episodes from Rebels. Yeah, um, okay. I was gonna say. Yeah, that's there, there's, there's some redeem, redeeming qualities to it. Got some but, great yeah. redeeming qualities, some great episodes. He okay. forms a really good relationship with one of the main characters. That's it's it's dark, but it's not and it's it's somewhat manipulative, but it's not without his admiration for that character and the potential respect that he has for that character as well, which okay. is more than you could say for the way that Palpatine was using Vader or uh, Anakin. Um, Maul mm-hmm. uses a character in Rebels, but there's a little bit of admiration, respect, and affection there that mm-hmm. Palpatine <laughs> really never had for Vader. So, yeah, I, I, I definitely recommend it. He's such an interesting character when you peel back those layers. And, I, I'm uh, sure he is. I just I only know him from the movies. So absolutely, I, yeah, and gotta, and those movies, they didn't they didn't give him they didn't do any justice to his character. You know, good to know. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to do some diving. I definitely am down to learn more of the the lore and the backstory of some of these characters. So yeah, absolutely. I do want to move on to episode four, but before I move on to episode four, I do want to just see we had two really quick bookends in this episode because it wouldn't be a Mandalorian episode if you didn't have Mandalorians in them. Um, And uh, they they sort of continue in a brief 10 minutes, the story of uh, really Din Djarin and Bo-Katan. And um, we start with some really amazing space battle sequences. I, I love just Bo and, and Din fighting off these TIE fighters. Um, and it all ends up being this ruse, which is like the biggest twist of all, because they end up just bombing the crap out of her her, her castle, which is like the saddest mm-hmm. thing ever. Um, yeah. Oh, my so God. She loses more. She was loses, yeah. It was, it was tough, right? It was tough to watch. What did you guys think? I was yeah, I was gonna say she's it's tough to watch because she already lost her people. Now she lost, you know, the last piece of her identity, which is her home. So she has yeah. nothing left, basically. So mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. And, and Julie, what'd you think of that opening? Uh yeah. Um I it was sad and unexpected too. I was like, oh shoot, like all that just happened like really fast, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I did I also enjoyed I also enjoyed watching them fight together because they're both so 
incredibly skilled at it you know and it's just like yeah, yeah like these two, they make a good team and they i was really like hoping do. like somebody would say that like we make a good team you know but they're not at that level yet i don't think so they're not but, um, <laughs> I, 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 okay, forgive me. I might be the only person who thinks this and forgive me because it's going to sound a little vapid, but God, they have really good sexual chemistry, right? <laughs> like, yeah, no, I have to did. say, I think so. There's some, there's some tension there. Something hot about like, In a good way, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, I mean, I'm pretty. I, I don't, I don't necessarily think I will be unsatisfied if they don't get together because I don't think the story needs to go there. But if no, they no, no, do, no, it shouldn't go there. If but... they do, I'm not going to be sad about it either. <laughs> I, I think it's just sexual chemistry between Pedro and Katie. And just yeah, like... which is a mark of really good actors. And like you said, really good chemistry between actors. And that can just happen, which is great, you know? Yeah. I just I, I just want to see Mando sex with the helmets on and shit. I, I, you know? I think... <laughs> I think oh Peter Sharetta from Slash Film put in a no, question about that on oh, chat GBT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I need to see that, but it's an interesting thought. Well, sure. well, we we have to see that because they can't take their helmets off. So true, you know. true. Yeah, I mean, if if it's gonna happen, it's gonna be with the helmets on. So yeah, I mean, it's just like this is the way, you know. Uh, no, yeah. I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. Sorry, sorry. Uh, hopefully, hopefully this doesn't. Oh wow, that's a from... whole other way to yeah. look at it. No, I, this, uh, this, that was hilarious. Um, um, but, but yeah, I was just uh, gonna say. Um, I'm oh, sorry. So, <laughs> go. Maybe. Uh, I was just gonna say um, that the only other thing I was gonna say about your comment on the the, the opening of the episode is that. Um, it's sort of an interesting lead in to episode four because mm. now you see that she has nothing left. And I think that's why she's a little bit more um, accepting into the Mandalorian way, as we'll see later. But and we're gonna yeah. talk about that when we get into episode four. But yeah, so 100%. it's just an interesting like, tie in. Yeah. Mike, what about you? What were you going to say? No, I was just going to, um, I put in the uh, a text, um, a link to what. Peter said about it because he said um he, he inputted um he he asked chat gbt if chat gbt was uh Dave Filoni and I don't know if you guys can see it right now but yeah <laughs> the answer was it it keeps it seems like it's going in circles honestly but I I don't know what you what you guys would would think about that uh the, the I, should I read this? Should I read yeah, this you can out? read it. That's what I'm saying. Because yeah. I, I don't want to read it because I'll sound like I'm rambling. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. Oh. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, okay, okay. So the, the question from Slash Films, for those uh, who are watching, um, Dave Filoni, how do Mandalorians deal with intimacy since they can't remove their helmets? I love it. Yes, we, we have <laughs> to talk about this because we're, we're already talking about well, it. Yeah, we're already on the subject, so we might as well talk <laughs> about it. So, yeah. And I guess this is supposed to be Dave Filoni. Um, is it? Is it as really? Chat GBT, right? So that's a yeah. Okay. So, yeah. All right. So as Chat GBT, um, Dave Filoni wrote, well, when it comes to Mandalorian culture and tradition, there are many aspects that are steeped in secrecy and privacy, including matters of intimacy. As you may know, Mandalorians have deep respect for their customs and rituals, including the practice of never removing their helmets in the presence of others. This is going so well so far. Um, <laughs> while I cannot speak for all Mandalorians or the intricacies of their personal relationships, I can tell you that intimacy and connection are important aspects of any culture, and the Mandalorians are no exception. It's possible that they have developed unique ways of expressing affection and intimacy that oh do not involve removing their helmets. Oh, good okay. Lord. There's a little bit of voyeurism in that first paragraph, too. So There's a lot the of voyeurism. <laughs> never, in the presence of others, like, who's watching this? In, in the end, it's important to remember that Mandalorian culture is rich and complex, and they're uh, is much is still much we have yet to learn about their beliefs and practices as a storyteller i am always interested in exploring the nuances of different cultures and challenges they face uh so perhaps one day we'll have a chance to delve deeper into this topic <laughs> so wow. again 
It's important uh-huh. to know that everybody that Dave Filoni did not say this. This is a chat. Chat GPT <laughs> speaking <laughs> as Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni. That's so funny. I, I actually thought that they did a good job pretending to be Dave Filoni. Um, the, the one thing that is certain, you know, in Mandalorian culture when it comes to sex is that they use protection. So that's uh, that's all. Beskar. Yes, they, they, it's Beskar. You know, Nothing. Uh, <laughs> that's one hundred percent no accidents yeah. at all. You know, they, they, you know, they got a lot of guns and uh, dark sabers and shit like that. So uh, those uh, those intimacies are spicy. Um, hmm. Okay. So having said that, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, having said all of that, um, we we end the episode because Bo no, has no no longer has a home. And in my opinion, by the way, I think a large part of where this is going, especially in like the fourth episode, to me, has direct ties into the final moments of that second episode. I think what I love about this season so far, and I'll say it until I'm blue in the face, so forgive me. But what I love about the season so far, really, is that we're we're looking at this as Bo-Katan season, in my opinion, I think. And when we start out with Bo-Katan, in the season, she's somebody who's completely despondent because she lost hope. She lost faith. In fact, everything that she put her faith in is the exact reason why she no longer has people. And then she loses her home as well, you know, mm-hmm. and she goes to save Din just out of the goodness of her heart. And because I guess they, they kind of sort of are pseudo friends at the very minimum. And, you know, I think that uh, moment where she saves him and she encounters the mythosaur for me, that's the transformative moment in her life, you know? And I think all the, the lives of all Mandalorians, for that matter, um, especially giving going back to the prophecy that the armorer said in the Book of Boba Fett, the rise of the Mythosaur is going to lead to a new age of the Mandalorians. Hmm. And I think that that's, that, I think, moment is the reason that at the end of Episode 3 and throughout Episode 4, we see her starting to accept the way in some ways like she's very very cynical about it she scoffs at it she's mm-hmm. lost everything she's lost her home she sees the mythosaur and what happens she starts kind of thinking about everything and questioning everything and you know maybe there is actually hope maybe there is actually something to this these legends this faith this religion that she put her stake in and i think it's that redemption arc that we're going to see um, and, you know, uh, down down the line. But she it's funny because this way of life that she has scoffed at her entire life and especially now when everybody left her, it's coming back and people are accepting her. And that's where episode three really leaves off. Right. Everyone starts accepting her despite the fact that she's, you know, she she her way of life diverted from theirs. She bathed in the waters. She hasn't removed her helmet. And they welcome her back into the Mandalorian culture. That's kind of big for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she needs that in this moment. So it's going to segue into episode four, but I'm going to pause there and just see what you guys thought about that ending, about the idea of Bo's journey and this idea of her being accepted by these people after she's been cast away by her own. You know, um, yeah, open forum. Okay, so I I'm fine with with that aspect. I just feel like it's moving a little bit too slowly for me. Sure. Um, I, I I can see because I I've had my qualms about it. It's like voices. Well, it feels like it there's no direction. But um, once you know, I started reading you know some reviews and some afterthoughts about it. Um, I I I agree with what they what's everyone saying, especially you. Uh, Mike, because you've been so, such a strong advocate for for this se- the direction of the season, and it's great. Uh, I, I just wish it picked up the pace a little bit more. Sure, um, but th- that's just my thought on it. But yeah, of course, of course. What, what do you think about Bo, just in general, as as her character, um, and and her being accepted by these people? I think that's a great direction for her. Like you were saying about her, after losing everything, after you know losing her faith, losing her people, losing her home. She needs some sort of, um, I guess, light, some sort of something that, that reaffirms her her faith in her in her beliefs 
and her identity basically because she's lost everything like yeah like i said previously so now that she has a home that she has a people to you know to rally behind her uh she can finally find that thing that she's lost so much so, yeah yeah absolutely julie what about you what do you think um, yeah, I would say I pretty much agree with what you guys have been saying. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see where this goes with her. Um, it's, yeah, it is pretty cool. Cause yeah, it's, and it's pretty cool because you can sort of sense like her slow, but, but gradual, like, um, acceptance into what's happening, even though like you know, you can't see her face anymore because she's wearing her helmet, but you just kind of get that sense, like just body language, whatever, that like, you know, she's very apprehensive about it at first, but then slowly starts to like accept it and come into it. And that's kind of cool to see. And um, yeah, it's uh, like, like Mike was saying, she needs that. She needs something right now because she's lost everything. And, and, and I think, um, like it's a community like she needs a community and like she's gonna get it if that's what she wants if that's what she continues to work towards you know so mm -hmm. absolutely now speaking of the community i think that that's really how if we're going to describe episode four in a nutshell i think that that's the perfect way that that's the perfect single word to describe it is community because it's really what this is about the, the episode's really about the mandalorian people and I think when we start out the episode, um, we see it's actually, you know, their sect. We didn't get to see that much of it in the first episode, but it's actually grown quite significantly since Din first met the armor. And we see mm -hmm. so many Mandalorians all on that beach. Um, no one's afraid of giant alligators popping out and eating them for whatever reason. I don't know why they're not afraid <laughs> of that. It, it literally keeps happening. Bad animal shit keeps happening. Um, but anyways... <laughs> Um, I don't understand it. They, they, it's like they moved to Jurassic World or some shit. Um, anyways, like, <laughs> they picked an interesting uh, place to camp out. It has all these terrifying predators. They picked Isla Numar. I mean, that's so stupid. <laughs> like, come on, right? God damn it! Don't, don't pick Jurassic World. Um, it, there was definitely some reminiscent Jurassic World yeah. reminiscent things in there for sure. Yep. Right. I was like that, yeah, and and Mike, that, I think yeah. I. It was your tweet that I saw um, that really sparked the Jurassic World comparisons because I think you you did yeah. the spoiler free uh, the context free spoilers right like with yeah the yeah 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 and I was like ah oh, the Mesosaur is ish it was like Jurassic World so I was like <laughs> oh I'm I'm kind of playing off of that sir um, but yeah I I think we start seeing youngling or sorry not younglings I'm so used to Jedi you know uh, verbiage foundlings um, seeing foundlings. Yes um training and i love it because this is the first time we see grogu in a combat situation really like intentionally in a combat <laughs> situation and it's just awesome he's fighting against paz Vizla's uh kid um and and man i mean it's so when, when you don't know grogu like we do and you see this like small little thing like shimmying there you're like yeah that thing's screwed you know <laughs> but then yeah I mean, what'd you guys think of this? Come on. <laughs> I, I compared it to like one of those moments, like, you know, family gatherings and, yeah. you know, all the kids have to play together sort of thing. It's like the little kid has to play with like the older kids and everything like that. So I, I saw like that sort of um, like, I don't want to, he's not my age sort of thing. And I, I could beat him up sort of thing. Like, why would you want me to do this? And um, <laughs> it, it's so much fun to watch watch how that whole scene played out um and just to see how like you said we're saying about the community how the community is kind of trying to keep their keep their key uh creed alive of sorts by training in the old ways and um yeah so yeah and julie what about you yeah i love that scene like i mean you know you know he's our boy grogu he's gonna he's gonna pull some, <laughs> some pull some shit you know he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna figure it out but also you, you you do have a moment of like is he ready for this like i mean you know he's fought much bigger things and won yeah. essentially but like you know this like training for combat this hand-to-hand -hand, like 
fighting against each other kind of thing you know it's just you're just like oh like he's he's already like growing up so fast he's like gonna be yeah. a girl up so fast you know but then he is what they said he's like 50 or something so yeah. like, <laughs> technically yeah. you know <laughs> i mean even but, even from and we have to get into this but even from order 66 which we get in this episode um to now you know that's about luke's age basically if we think about it right like it's a full grown luke skywalker yeah. time yeah. period um so it's at least 20 years so if nothing else however gro however old grogu was when order 66 happens plus 20 years is how old he is here so he's mm. yeah yeah he's actually pretty old but but i mean um, you know he it's like it's like dogs right like they age differently than he, humans or other species or whatever like you know he clearly ages a lot slower because if he's already like 50 at least and yeah. he's still acting like a child then it's like different but it's just like well you know you, you think like well i guess he's not that young but like <laughs> <laughs> he's still just he's a little baby to all of us you know yes just and let him play with his rock crabs come on <laughs> i know i was like what? let him play i was like i was like he's having fun he's exploring a new planet let him play <laughs> I kind of I, I kind of loved, um, you know, when we think about Grogu species, Yoda species, as it were, um, which still doesn't have a name. Um, yeah, the, I was actually right? curious about that too, but no. Calms like, what are they called? <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but but you, you think about how they 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 fight and we think about how Yoda and Yaddle fight. And it's a lot of flipping. It's a lot of jump force mm -hmm. jumping, you know, and it's like there's we're starting to see that in Grogu, the force mm. jumping thing, you know? Um, so I thought that, that was kind of cool. Um, of course, you know, Paz Vizsla's son gets snatched up by a, a pterodactyl, which I think they call a raptor, um, which is interesting. Again, like I said, they're in Jurassic World. And um, <laughs> while while birds they're going... Yeah, birds of prey, exactly. While they're doing all that, um, the armorer brings in Grogu um, and builds for him... <laughs> A, a flavor flav clock. I'm sorry. I'm gonna call it the flavor flav clock. That letter, like when she when she put it on his chest, like the first thing I yelled at was flavor flav. Oh my god, <laughs> that's hilarious. On his, on I his thought it was a giant chest. walk at first. Honestly, yeah. he's like, like um, I wasn't sure. We don't use this cooking utensil, like, so we're just like, gonna continue. Something. It does yeah. look like a walk. It had like a little like divot, you know? So, yeah, like, yeah. A little divot. So it's like. Yeah, we don't cook with this anymore, so we're just gonna give this to you. <laughs> Stick it on your chest. Kid. <laughs> oh my god, that's funny. You'll be our pot kid. Um, yeah. which is this? It's still sweet. It's got the mudhorn sigil on it, but very important and probably the highlight of the episode for many people. Um, as Grogu is seeing her build the Flava Flav clock, um, there's a flashback to Order sixty six, and you know, as the armorer tells him. The forge really does, you know, it, it it brings about trauma and it reveals like past histories and everything like that. And we finally get to see the answer to who saved Grogu during Order 66 on Coruscant. And it was one of the most unexpected moments, <laughs> I think, in Star Wars history. There's so many theories some people thought it was Senator Organa. Um, some people thought it was, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a, a, a famous Jedi, like, um, I don't know, let's say uh, Kanan or or someone, you know, like big. And it ends up being Keller and Beck, um, it, played by Ahmed Best in a wonderful redemptive role for him. Um, for those of you watching who aren't familiar, Ahmed Best is the man who famously, notoriously played Jar Jar Binks. And it yeah. ruined his life. It ruined mm -hmm. his life. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, everywhere he went, he got no, hate mail. Yeah. So Star Wars knew that it ruined his life. They had him do a lot of these hosting kind of gigs, whether it was Star Wars Celebration. And one of those gigs was called uh, Jedi, Temp uh, Jedi Temple Games, I think. Um, it was a mm -hmm. game show in the thousands. And the host of the show was Ahmed Best, but as a character named Keller and Beck. And that was his job was oh. to train Padawan. Um, so, yeah, I didn't know any of this until last night where I was like, <laughs> Googled Keller and Beck. And I was like, oh, he actually was a character character. So 
that oh. being said, I'm going to pause there because I'm doing a lot of talking. I'm sorry. Um, and, and ask you guys, Keller and Beck, go. Let's talk about it. What do we think? <laughs> no, this is all very fascinating. I <laughs> no, I, I did see that. I saw them announce that he was going to be in it and he was going to play a role. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. Like, he gets to play some not, like, crazy hated character, you know? <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I liked I liked the character. He's 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 pretty likable, mm-hmm. like, off the bat. Like, he didn't, you know, have a ton of scenes, but I already liked him. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he was like, cool, I got you, kid. Like, I'm going to, we're going to do this, you know? Like, hop on my motorbike. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but, yeah, and, well, I mean, I'm also glad that I think like Jar Jar Binks like is maybe slightly less hated now. Uh, you know, he's oh, just yeah. considered part of essential Star Wars canon. Like you can hate him or like him, but nobody's, I, well, I hope not. It'll be still sending like hate mail to the actors, whatever, which is just yeah. ridiculous in the first place. But also I think that happened to Jake Lloyd, didn't it? Like that's kind of one yeah. of the reasons he quit acting. Anyway, that's a total tangent. Um, But yeah, Keller and Beck, I think, I'm on board with this character. I want to see more of him. Absolutely. Mike, what about you? Keller and Beck? I, I, I can't say any more than what you guys said. You guys gave him so much praise. Uh, I just like the way that he moved and all the, um, you know, how he deflected all the blasters and what he had mm-hmm. to do to get from point A to point B. That was not easy. And just to see that he was able to save Groku, um, I, I wish we could see more of him or... No, we'll, we'll we'll just have to wait and see. It's, it's yeah, great I, too. I bet we will. I mean, just him with the two lightsabers, just going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, that was pretty badass. <laughs> oh, freaking cool! So freaking cool! I'm, I'm, so, we're so happy for Ahmed Best. Um, honestly, I, I hope we get to see more of Kellerin back. I think a new fan favorite character has been created, and uh, you know, I mean, how how do you how do you redeem someone who played? you know, Jar Jar Banks after his life was ruined by that. You give him the man, you give him the character that saved freaking Grogu, the most. Yeah, no, absolutely. hundred percent. Well, well done. Good strategy there. (laughs) Good strategy there. We love Ahmed best. Uh, now what a difference, uh, you know, 20 years makes. Um, but yeah, uh, it's by the way, it's the star Wars hate cycle. New star Wars comes out. Everyone hates it. 20 years later, it's a classic. So, Oh yeah. Or or they hate, like, they love it first and then hate it immediately after because that's what I've noticed. Like, because when I went to go see those prequels, my friends yeah. and I, we all loved them. And, like, everybody, the buzz around them was very positive at the time. And then it was maybe, like, the year after that it started just, like, everybody just decided they hated it. And I was just like, but, yeah, I, it, you're right. It's the Star Wars hate cycle. It's the hot it's Star Wars hate cycle. And in, in the year 2043, we're going to be celebrating Rose Tico Day. Um, and I hope that, that that comes sooner because we love Rose Tico. Yes. Everyone else fucking hates Rose T- Sorry, freaking hates Rose Whatever. Tico. Um, which, which sucks because people can be toxic. Uh, but Kelly Marie Tran, we also love you. And uh, yeah, we're, we're glad that you Heck were. yeah. Yeah. And just like I'm at best. We love you too, I'm at best. Um, so that gets the Grogu stuff out of the way. Uh, really, I think the meat of this episode ha- was the raptor chase, you know, and um, the 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 quest to get Paz Vizsla, uh, his son back, um, I guess. And the amazing thing that we're seeing really is Bo-Katan becoming a leader, you know, to mm-hmm. these people. Um, it's a small following so far. It's definitely one where everybody starts to trust her. Um, but especially Paz Vizsla, which is kind of ironic because her Paz Vizsla's relative pre Vizsla, also played by John Favreau in the Clone Wars series, his squad, Death Watch, mm-hmm. one of his members was Bo Katan. So Bo Katan followed pre Vizsla, and now Paz Vizsla is kind of following Bo Katan. We're full circle. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, but but yeah, we're starting to see Bo Katan coming to her own, leading this mission. I want to know what you guys thought of this half of the the episode. Um, I know that there there are a lot of moments where I was just kind of like, eh, that's an interesting choice. But then it served really that grand purpose of building Bo's character into like a leader. So for me, I I really liked it. But I'd like this to know what you guys thought. Um, yeah, Mike, I'll I'll start with you. So these are I had mentioned in um 
my kind of criticism, but they, that they had these great, great character moments. And this was one of them just to be able to see how she feels a sense of community. Finally, like we've been saying how they all rally behind her. And it, it's finally great to see that she's found what she's been, I know what she's been losing so far. And mm -hmm. we saw how much pain she's going through since, you know, episode one and sort of, how throughout these three episodes because you know episode three doesn't really count but how throughout these episodes how she's building up back her belief in the in the creed that she lost so yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely um julia what about you oh, sorry, sorry. I have a little alarm going off in the background <laughs> oh i'm sorry off. it's a long story anyway um uh yeah I mean I liked it I mean I I guess I would concern myself I'm not exactly like the harshest critic in general but like yeah I'll point out some things of like why was this this way like why did they do that but um no I I liked it I liked seeing like it was cool to see again her like gradual acceptance like that they accept her but also she's kind of starting to accept them as well and I, I love that scene where she was asking, like, how how do you eat? You know, like, yeah. and that's an important question. Like, I always wondered that myself. So It's just you like, know. how do you have sex? And the man right, exactly. <laughs> As we were talking you about. Know what? But like, you know, it showed that she's actually like interested in trying to figure out how to navigate this culture and trying to figure out, like, can I make this work for myself? And then it was pretty cool when they were like, well, you are you are leader of this uh, this expedition, so you you get the fire. And she was kind of like, huh, huh, "That's cool, you know? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the fire. <laughs> like, cool, I can sit by the fire and eat my thing." And like, you know, so she's like, like I think there's moments there where she's like, "Okay, like they make it work, you know? I guess it isn't like half bad, you know?" So it's pretty interesting to just see that progression. That's I think what I like the most about this episode. The thing that I find interesting, and and this is where I, I've got theories about where this season's going to go, and if I'm going to be blunt, I think it's a civil war situation. Um, I think it's going mm -hmm. to become a civil war situation. There's enough people for them to actually do have uh, to have a civil war. I mean, hell, if the Avengers could do it with like ten people, they can do it with like. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. Um, in in this case, what I found interesting was the reverence that this group this party had for her even when she's sitting by the fire it, it was growing stronger as the episode persisted and it was only concretely even more so solidified as soon as she comes back successfully with pre Vizsla's kid mm -hmm. um she had pulled off the impossible which i think everyone around in that community um actually witnessed and, and saw so the amount of faith that they have in her as a leader increased tenfold. I also think that she's starting to believe in herself as a leader because of the mythosaur moment, which yeah. is why at the end of the episode, she's asking the armorer about the idea of the mythosaur. And the funny thing is, let's be honest, the armorer kind of dismisses her. I mean, yeah, yeah the armorer is like, no, no, you just had a vision. You just had a vision, you know? And so yeah. far, everybody's been kind of following the armorer this entire mm -hmm. time, naturally, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But now I think a lot of people, I'm not saying that they're splitting up right now, but due to the fact that they're, there's the potential for conflicting beliefs between the armorer and Bo-Katan, mm -hmm. I think that a civil war could potentially break out if people, you know, Bo-Katan like removes her mm -hmm. helmet and says, you guys don't have to do this. We follow the way, but we follow the way differently. You know, enough people might actually follow her because of the good that she's doing for this community. And we wouldn't believe something like that if that's going to be the case later on. We couldn't believe something like that if we didn't have an episode like this where she rescues this kid in kind of a silly sort of plot line, Land of the Lost style, but nevertheless, effectively. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I mean, that, that, my theory is only, but I want to know what you guys think. Um, that's, that's probably just me spitballing and nothing's going to happen that way. But yeah, I don't know. Theories of your own? Yeah, I, I, I kind of like that theory because 
um, again, like she lost her people, right? So now she has to build, you know, a new following of sorts. And what better way to do it than to save Paul Vizla's kid? And then, you know, she could use that, you know, against the armor and say, you know what, you didn't go out to save Paul Vizla's kid. You know, I did. And, you know, he respects me for that decision sort of thing. So I could see how could she could manipulate that in a way that would benefit her. Um, to build back her following and bring them back to um, not necessarily Mandalore, but whatever that other, uh, I guess, Concord, whatever that planet. Concordia. Was. Yeah, Concordia. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's very possible, too. Yeah. Um, Julie, what about you? Theories? I don't know. I mean, I definitely see that that could go there. Yeah, I hadn't even really thought about that. Um, that could be interesting. I don't know. I mean, I don't know that I want to see that, but that's not my decision to make, obviously. But, um, but like, I, I don't find that like a civil war plotline like that interesting. Like, I would much rather see her like struggling to overcome all of her prejudices against like the Mandalorian culture, and. Mm -hmm but then finally accepting like that would be much more interesting to me like i just feel like a civil war is like i don't know too easy like no like no offense to like i think that's a yeah, yeah. scary absolutely but um i don't know I, I don't know but i can definitely see it going that way too i don't i don't know um but you're hoping it doesn't of course i'm yeah. hoping it doesn't yeah, yeah i'm hoping mm -hmm. it doesn't because i would like i said i'd much rather just see how it plays out with her maybe being accepted mm. into this clan or whatever and just see like like see her own inner struggles rather than outer struggles if that makes sense absolutely mm -hmm. i i like that idea because it, i think you remember book of boba fett how really the big build-up was to have boba fett ride a freaking rancor in the battle and like yeah. take out people with the freaking rancor I, I honestly think this entire season is building up to her riding a freaking mythosaur and like wielding the dark saber in the most like freaking heavy metal sort of way. And that would be like the ultimate symbol of her, con you know, conquering any of those internal issues and prejudices, yeah. like full on embracing all of that. That's the mythosaur, the legends, the dark saber, all of that. That would be cool. But yeah. Um, we do have uh, two redemptions from our friend Q-Ball. One is hydrate. So cheers, guys. Um, cheers. Sorry, I'm almost out of ice. I'm at the actual ice part. And then, <laughs> um, Mr. Lee, you have been chosen to do You're So Punny. So we need, we need, we need a pun from you, sir. <laughs> a pun? Well, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I can't think of a, one off the bat right now. Uh, it's, it's so hard when you're put on the spot. Like, right? I it, 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 it just doesn't flow naturally. So, uh, <laughs> I, I can't cast I, like, I don't think I can cast this one. a conversation that you just think of something <laughs> that goes with the conversation, you know? But so now I'm trying to force it out. <laughs> oh, there, there you go. There's the pun. Right? Wait, uh, wait, was that the pun? Is that the that pun? was it. Yeah. That was it? Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm trying I to force it, it out. That's what I works. loved it. Yeah. It worked. <laughs> it was subtle. It was clever. It, you know, uh -huh. yeah, I liked it. Cubal, hopefully that was satisfying for you as Come it was. Come on, please. That's the only great, thing I could. Great job, Michael. <laughs> it was, it was well done. I, I thought it. it was very subtle and unexpected and it worked. So well done. Um, Guys, I want to talk about this forever. I wish we could talk about it forever, but I know that we are at time. Um, mm -hmm. I want to just say thank you to everyone watching, of course. And of course, thank you to you you both who are just amazing co-hosts in this entire thank endeavor you. and this entire uh, adventure Aww, with me. We're um, an amazing host. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Co-host, co-host. Uh, we're all co-hosts, <laughs> but... That being said, um, I want to know where everyone can find you. Uh, Julie, um, where can everyone find you? Um, I am at J Raylin. That's J-R-A-E-L-Y-N on Instagram. And I am at J Ray Lady, J-R-A-E-L-A-D-Y on TikTok. Very cool. Very cool. Mike Lee, where can everyone find you? Uh, you can find my writing at That's It LA. We live entertainment and uh, the nerds of color. 
And if you want to look at me on socials, all socials of my social is uh, I am Michael J. Lee right over there. Yeah, <laughs> trying to get the spacing right. There we go. I am Michael Perfect. J. Lee right over there. Perfect. And uh, I've been Mike Manalo. You can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at TidyBoyBoy182, but most prominently uh, with my colleague, Mike Lee, uh, at thenerdsofcolor.org and uh, that's at LA.com, but also whattowatch.com. Um, yeah. Uh, until next time, folks, next episode uh, will be on Friday. Uh, next Friday, we'll talk more about more Mando course. Um, you know, I guess if that's what we want to call Mando intercourse. Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, don't. We're not going to talk about Mando course. Um, but, I mean, probation uh, officers, right? And then probation yes. <laughs> officers and Mando course. Yeah. <laughs> But um, that being said, uh, thank you guys as always, and stay tuned for more basic binges. I believe our next show, I want to say, is, uh, forgive me, guys, later this week. I will get back to you guys on that, and we'll post it on social, so I apologize. But that being said, um, definitely tune in for the next uh, the next Mando episode on Friday next week. Until then, everyone stay safe, have a great one, and thank you for watching.